0: Welcome to another exciting message from Journey Church, meaning weekly in Northwest Calgary. At Journey Church, we're encountering God and embracing people. Good morning, everyone. Uh, I am uh, glad that it's Sunday and that God's presence is with us and that we don't have to beg God to come near to us, but that he always comes when we call on him. Yes, this is part of our promise. This is part of the promise God made us and it's part of the reason Jesus came uh, so that we would no longer have to be far from God, but that He would draw close to us. If you have your Bibles, turn to John chapter 9. So over the last number of weeks, we've been talking about encounters with Jesus, and we've been looking at different encounters that people had with Jesus. And we've been prefacing this um, series with this statement that our discipleship as Christians is directly tied to how consistently and deeply we encounter the person and presence of Jesus That we can't be called disciples if we don't encounter His presence, if we don't encounter Jesus as a person. And uh, so, this morning, I want to call us once again to be people that are open to encountering Jesus. You may be here this morning and you've never encountered this Jesus. Many of us, um, if you've grown up in Canada, you or anywhere in the world for that matter, might have encountered religion, Uh, but religion is categorically different than encountering the person of Jesus. Uh, Jesus is a person who wants to breathe life into your life and change you from the inside out. And I know there's many people in this room today who have, uh, over a long period of time, experienced this transformation. Uh, some of us, so I, I want to call us again to a new encounter with Jesus. We don't get the option as Christians to go, I've arrived, so I'm, I'm good now. I've got everything figured out, all my ducks in a row. Uh, But oftentimes, we can get into places where uh, that's how we exist. And I'm praying that as we just continue to uh, work uh, on looking at these encounters with Jesus, that all of us, all of us would encounter the presence of Jesus in a new and fresh way. So I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in just living in old ways. I'm interested in the Spirit of God breathing on me in a new way. So that I look unrecognizable from year to year, in the best kind of way. Uh, we have been in the middle of a creative conference. Um, you can see that we have extra lights here, creative lights this morning. And uh, thank you to everybody who worked behind the scenes to make this, to make the conference a, a really great uh, experience. We had so many volunteers that gave up your weekend and. You, you could have been camping, but instead you were here, and some of you are shaking hands like, nah, not in this kind of snow. You could have been anywhere. Uh, so we're really thankful for that. Part of the vision that we had as a church is not to just be about ourselves, but to be able to bless other churches and help other ministries expand. I think that that's part of the kingdom call on all of our lives, to not just be about ourselves. And so... Um, yeah, we're really thankful that many people from many different churches were able to come and and be blessed by that and i'm thankful for pastor jess sanchez who had the vision to uh put this conference together and i i just yeah she's downstairs with the utes right now uh but i i do want to just uh just honor her for that vision um at 23 years old to say i have a vision to do something outside of myself speaks uh ...to her passion, and so just want to honor her. Uh, John chapter 9. We're going to continue just because it's the last day of this creative conference. If you're here from the conference, we're so glad you're here. I I want to talk about the creativity of Jesus this morning. And um, we're going to look at John chapter 9. As he went along, he saw a man blind from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? By the way, this is a question that people often are still asking... This is the question of Job's friends, right? How did this, like, people are always trying to figure things out, right? If you're like, I don't like things that I can't understand. (laughs) And uh, Jesus' disciples are like, hey, hold up, hold up. How come this guy's blind? What did he do wrong? Did he sin? Did his parents sin? Who is the bad person here? Do you know, we're always trying to look for a scapegoat, it's human nature always look for, you know, um, some of you went in a ditch this morning on your way to church. I won't look at anyone right now, um, you know, who you are, but you know, you know what we want to do when we go in a ditch in real life is we want to go, that, if the city of Calgary did a better job plowing, amen is true, that is true, <laughs> okay, but, <laughs> or, <laughs> Have you ever hit somebody before? And you were, if they just had to stop so quickly. Why were they stopping for that red light? <laughs> like right away you get, do you notice that, maybe it's just me, but like a visceral kind of like, "It's it not my fault? It's not my fault. still comes up. We don't say it quite like that, but you know that it's natural because your kids do it, right? As soon as somebody is, you know when you're driving and, and your kids are like just being cheerful and godly in the back seat, this is very near to my heart this morning. For all the mothers out there that were looking for boots this morning at 9 o'clock, I see you. The Lord sees you. He is with you now. But anyways, uh, you know when kids start going, nah, she hit me first. She didn't it first. It's her fault. Because we always like to have somebody to blame stuff on. And especially, particularly, we have to watch this in ourselves when we don't understand things. We, we like to Figure it out. What went wrong in that family? Where did I? We like to do this. The disciples do this. I love how Jesus just responds, though. Neither his parents nor the, his, nor this, neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happens so that the works of God might be displayed in him. Can I suggest this morning that for all of us, no matter where you find yourself, no matter what circumstance you find yourself in, that it could be. That God is setting you up to have his glory displayed in your life. And can I suggest this morning that no matter what it is, some of you have faced um, excruciating pain, maybe through a divorce or children that have walked away from the Lord. and, And you're left sort of with this feeling of like, what went wrong? What have I done wrong? Can I suggest from Jesus' statement to the disciples, no matter where you find yourself today, that God can take your circumstance and use it for his glory. You see, we waste time saying, what went wrong? Who went wrong? What did I do wrong? Instead, let's just begin to say, God, I, I don't know what, I don't understand any of this, but perhaps you could use it for your glory. Perhaps you could take this mess that I find myself in right now and turn it around and use it for me. For, for your glory. So Jesus says, as long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. We're going to talk about that in a second section. If you've got a Bible, though, like an actual paper Bible, or even a phone, you can circle that. It's interesting that he used the word we there. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva. This is so hilarious to me because, like, he's saying all these very profound and deeply spiritual things. And then in the next verse, and, and if you've read this before, you, you yeah, that's really, it's very quite normal that someone would go from deep theological philosophy to, after saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva, and put it in the man's eyes. Go, he told them, wash in the pool of Salome. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, "Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg?" Some claimed that he was. Others said, "No, he only looks like him." But he insisted. But he himself insisted, "I am the man." How then were your eyes open? They asked. He replied, "The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Salome and wash." So I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. I want to look uh, a little bit at this scripture, because I think it's both, um, it's it's a funny one, but I, it, it does highlight for us the creativity of Jesus, yes? And I think about this, I mean, I, I have been struck by this for probably the last six months, thinking about how our God is such a creative God. Now, in this chapter in john chapter 9 in particular i mean jesus could have done anything to heal this guy like he could have just gone be healed right we believe that jesus has power like that he could have just put his hand on his forehead in a nice televangelist method that's what he could have done no no but in this case he decided mud would be the best solution and what's weird is that Jesus doesn't, like, get into formulas. Like, have you ever um, noticed, as humans, like, if something works, we do it a lot of times in many different ways. I do this with words. Like, I get a word that I really like, and Dave really makes fun of me for this. Now you can, too. You can play along on this game on Sunday morning. So I find a new word, and then I and then I overuse it. I just use it till everyone's like, we don't want to hear that word anymore. Stop it. You're not using it correctly. Uh, and... Pardon? Bandwidth. Bandwidth. Yeah, I had that word for a while. I'm sorry to all of you that had to hear me say bandwidth in every kind of circumstance. Anyways, point being, we as humans are are creatures of habits, but this Jesus, he barely does the same miracle twice. Like, he just, he's doing mud, and then he's got loaves and fish, and then he's, uh, like, he's doing all kinds. He's putting people in oil businesses. It's wild. He's doing all these Jesus, this Jesus, is by nature of who he is, creative. And um, I I, I would say that uh, because of this, it it reminds us that we too are called to creativity. No matter where you find yourself today. Some of you are, are frustrated because the things that you've done before are not working. Maybe it's because God wants to do something creative in your life, something different that he's never done before. Perhaps some of you feel stuck this morning, and maybe it's just because God wants to open up a new way of doing things. I've wondered this often, uh, the story of Lazarus in the Gospels. So Lazarus was Jesus' good friend. He gets sick, and then Jesus takes his time takes his time, to, and Lazarus dies. And then they actually put him in the mummy outfit, and, like, everyone's crying, and they've hired, like, the mourners and sad, and Jesus himself is crying, which is wild to think about that. But then I have often think, why didn't he just come and heal Lazarus from afar? Why didn't he just say, like he said to the centurion man, hey, I know, Mary Martha, you're very upset about your... Um, I know you're very upset about your brother. I'm just going to heal. I'm busy right now, but I'll heal. Why did he wait for him to die? Ever thought about that? So, some of you are worried because it feels like too late. Like Jesus has come too late. Maybe he's just getting ready to do a creative miracle in your life. Let me just breathe, speak hope to you. That like God might have you exactly where he wants you. It may feel like you're in mummy clothes right now. Like you're in the tomb and God wants to come and do something creative. In your life, this is the kind of God we serve. The second thing I want to uh, draw some attention to is this: is that Jesus' creativity used things in the everyday world. So, we uh, have an obsession in our culture with superhero movies. Did you ever notice that it doesn't matter like what superhero movie? If you don't watch them, God bless you. You are spiritual. We bless you. Okay. So, but I'm just going to tell you that in every spiritual every uh, superhero movie, they're always looking for like wild things like. Crystals that can only be found in the dark depths of, I don't know the place I don't really watch some my children do. So but like they're always it doesn't matter what kind it could be a cartoon or they're always looking for things that are like there is only six of these gems in the world. and you've got to go all over the world to find these gems and they always find them in weird spots like swamps and scary places like volcanoes, volcanoes are always involved. I think when we think about uh, doing the creative work of God, that's what we think. First, I'm gonna have to go find some talent that is only found at the dark edges of the realm of I don't even know what realm we're talking about, but you know. But Jesus, he's not like a superhero. I will say this though, I think some of our theology has become confused. We've confused Jesus. With like a superhero, like he has some kind of—he uses everyday things though to go about creating these amazing miracles, like this. So he decides that it wasn't going to be a crystal or some wild thing. He just actually gets the dust from the earth and uses his own saliva. And this scripture, um, when people would have read this in the first century. They would have right away, because of the way that the Greek is constructed, the way that they highlight, the word dust is highlighted here, they would have automatically thought back to Genesis chapter 2, where God takes the dust of the earth and creates mankind. It's this beautiful uh, remembrance that God is the creator. He is the ultimate creative there's interesting studies about uh, dust in the first century there was kind of like a fight amongst scholars at the time Uh, some uh, rabbis said that that dust was actually like had something uh, of God in it because of Genesis chapter 2 but there was a whole other group of people uh, that were fighting uh, in rabbinic tradition at this time, saying that anybody who used dust for a miracle, because I, I think this was a thing, this was a thing then, people were trying to use mud for miracles, was were demonic, and like it was magical, and it was against Deuteronomy. Woo, sounds a little bit like the church today, right? We've got all these weird fights going on about weird stuff. That I, and Jesus, he just goes, nah, nah, we're not going to do that. I'm going to get the dust, I'm going to get the mud, I'm going to put it on his eyes. It was an offense right away to the religious people who were trying to, like, make up all the rules. Which tells us something about our own call to creativity. Jesus, uh, Jesus used everyday things. Creativity, Jesus' creativity used everyday things in the everyday world. I want to ask you this morning what everyday things are in front of you that God could use in a creative way to bring redemption to the world. What are the things in front of you right now that you've been neglecting that you just think, well, that's just that, whatever, that's just that, that's just, what are the everyday things? Jesus's the third observation is this, Jesus' creativity was a catalyst to faith and movement. So it's interesting that Jesus sent the blind man to the pool of Salome. Salome means sent And oftentimes I think uh, we get stuck, Uh, we get stuck saying, God, here I am, if you'd like to do a miracle in my life, I would really appreciate that. And then we look around and nothing has occurred. And so we pray again, God, if you're really here, do a miracle. And nothing happens. And then we get mad. And we get mad because like nothing is happening in our life. And this scripture highlights this, that when Jesus, when Jesus would do things in people's lives, he would often send them to something. He would ask them to do something in faith. And I think there's a couple of um, takeaways for us in this, in this place. The first one is this, um, what is, where is God sending me? We have to keep remembering to look for God's creative prompts and calls to action. So what creative miracle is God trying to do in your life right now that you've resisted? That You've said, well, I think I'll just... uh, See, because this man had... Do you ever think about this? It's like such a weird thing. The man is blind from birth, so he can't see. He stays in one place and begs all day. Jesus comes by and puts mud on his eyes, which is, okay, so like if he was going to get healed, he wasn't, if someone put mud on your eyes, you'd be blind as well, right? And then Jesus says to him, go to the pool and wash yourself. This doesn't seem like a good idea. This seems like a bad, for those of you that are in logistics here, you are thinking to yourself, Jesus missed out on a bunch of logistics here. Because he didn't like appoint him a friend, like, and also I will send with you John, my trusted friend, who will take you to the pool. pool." He doesn't say to him, and also um, you're going to be able to see before you get there. No, the scripture is pretty clear. He doesn't see until he washes his eyes off. So if I'm the man, like it would have been legitimate, right, in human terms, to go, okay, so Jesus, you've got mud on my eyes now. This is an impossibility. I know you were thinking you wanted me to go to the Pool of Siloam, and I would like to, but I'm unable to right now. So some of us, listen, God has come to do a miracle in our lives, and has said, this is what you need to do. Nobody, I, I will say this that when you look at Scripture, people often get healed when they're moving. Some of us are in points of pain right now. What we want to do is just sit. And God says, no, I'm sending you. I'm sending you to the pool of Siloam. So where has God asked you to move? Or you've dug in your heels and said, I can't, I can't do that right now, God. I'm too broken. I'm too sad. I'm too devastated. I'm too, I'm too, I'm too. Our healing always comes as we begin walking in faith. And for some of us, that means, somebody, Like it doesn't mean the same thing for all of us, right? For some of us, that means that we got to serve somebody else, serve somebody through our pain. For others of us, that means that we've got to, um, we just got to get moving. we got to get back in community. we got to get back to the places. For some of us, it means that we got to go out of our way for someone that doesn't look like us, that we don't understand, and we, we, we just got to do that because that's what's going to bring healing. My question for you today is where has God asked you to go? As long as we stay still, our spiritual lives stay stagnant. Second thing that this um, asks us to do is we must remember that God uh, can use our creativity to call others to action. So, so some of you here are, um, well, I believe all of us are creative. And when God calls us to do something, um, it, it can cause other people to get into action. And this is the call of the body of Christ. This is why we have each other. This is why we do this on Sunday morning. So that my creativity can call you to action. So I can say to you, hey, listen. uh, It looks like you haven't been involved in any way with God's people. Can I just call you to action? Hey, listen, uh, I I joined that small group art class. I'm terrible at art. Like terrible, but so awesome. You know, um, Marge kept saying to me, you need to join my small group. Is Marge here this morning? I don't know if she's here, but anyways, and, and I, um, you know, that was a good call of God. Like somebody was calling me for it, somebody's creativity calling me on. You've got to use your gifts to call the people and body of Christ on. We can't just be in our own little, well, I'm going to do my own thing, and if I'm obedient to the Lord, then that's good enough. That Listen, that's the gospel of individualism, and it always kills It always kills. You can't just say, well, I already, my friendship circle is already full. We can't say that. That's not biblical. Our our job as Christians is to call one another forward in Jesus, to call ourselves to new heights and new depths and and, and actually challenge one another. Right away, I know some of you... (laughs) I, I um, have been accused of liking a good, I don't call it an argument. I call it more like a discussion. And so some of you are nervous right now, like, no, I'm not challenging anybody. That, and that, that is between them and the Lord. But maybe I just say it this way. That your gifts can call the best out in other people. Which is why you have to extend your gifts to people. It's why you can't just keep them to three people and that's it. Or your extended family. Can I just, can I just call out a little bit of the idolization of the nuclear family for a second? That, w- that we have an idolization of just us four and no more. And if it's just me and my family and my kids serve the Lord and we look good and our faces are clean, then praise the Lord. Listen, God's called you to more than just that. Can I call you to be bigger and stronger? I believe God's called you to be bigger and stronger than that. We need each other. We need each other to call each other forward. And this scripture reminds us of that, that Jesus wasn't going to just... And you understand why, right? Because this guy had been begging for all of his life. All of his life he had sat in one spot and said alms for the poor because he could do nothing else. And the gospel always empowers people and uplifts people and calls them to new places. If, don't, if you come to church every week and you're never made to feel uncomfortable, then I, I would say you can send me a letter and say we're not doing our job. I hope you come and feel like at some level that God's put mud on your eyes and now you've got to go to the pool of Siloam and you're like, I don't know how to get there. I don't even know what to do. Your small group should have that feeling too. Like you go to your small group and you come away and you feel like, ah, I got stuff I got to work on. There's stuff inside my heart. Your group of friends should make you feel that way. Listen, if you're hanging out with... I, I, This is the same thing. We were youth pastors for many years, and we'd always say to the young people, who you are friends with is who you become. And, and then somehow we stopped saying that to adults. I th- I think because we think adults, like, that we're good in that department. <laughs> but, like, Kate, just think about yourself right now. When you think about yourself, I still think of my 16-year-old self. doesn't matter how old I get. I just... You get trapped at some age, like 16 or 18 or 19 or 23. I don't know what your age is. But we still need the encouragement that you need friends that are going to call you forward and to call you to the pool of Siloam that are going to say that blindness in your life doesn't have to stay there. You can move. You can be healed, but you're going to have to get moving. Let's call each other to movement. I think that's part of the creativity of God. And some of you are stubborn, so we are going to have to be creative. I mean, maybe this guy never would have gotten moving if Jesus hadn't put the mud on his eyes. He had to find water to get it off somehow. I don't know. So uh, it, let me just also say this. Jesus' creativity confounded those watching. I, I want you to see this. Sometimes we think, well, if there was a move of God here, there would be so many people that were so happy. Like, if God gave me a really creative idea... I would have a million followers on Instagram, and a lot of people would like me. Except for this is not the way of Jesus. So Jesus put the mud on the guy's eyes. The guy was blind from birth. Jesus put the mud on his eyes, and he could see, and everyone was mad at him. What? Like, this is not how it's supposed to work. Isn't it supposed to work that, like, if miracles happen, then, like, the whole city of Calgary will come? That's not how it worked. Uh, the religious establishment was mad at him, first of all, for the mud business. Okay, so the whole mud, we talked about that. It's like there's a whole bunch of religious people that are going, that is magical and you're part of the devil. That's, that's what they were saying. And, and then Jesus healed the guy on the Sabbath. Now, okay, so now I was thinking about this a little bit. The guy has been blind from birth. Do you think Jesus could have waited like one day? Like, couldn't he have come on the not Sabbath or the day before? I mean, there are seven days in a week and he picked the Sabbath? Now, there would have been people amongst him, the, the rule followers, saying, well, I don't know what I think. Because there was a better, there was a much better way to do that. And if we're talking about rules, but there, God isn't pleased shouldn't have done that. Um, I, I think and, and so I wonder, why did Jesus do that? He would have had far less like problems. And I think part of it was to stir up the establishment, to rattle cages a little, to remind people that God was God over every single rule. And I, I want to say this as some of you have been playing it safe for far too long. Because you're worried that your creativity or your creative idea is going to rattle cages. Can I remind you that this Jesus that we serve is a cage-rattling, establishment-stirring kind of guy. That that is the kind of God we serve. And for some of you, that, that just pushes against your sensibilities. And for some of you, that will set you free today. That there is a call that God's given you, and you're just not sure what everybody's going to think about it. The thing is, it doesn't really matter what everybody thinks about it, because if you look at Jesus, not everybody liked what he did either. The worst is that we would stand by, though. Stand by because we were going to be worried about what people would think. We're going to be worried that people are going to think we're not spiritual enough, or who do you think you are to do that, or... Why would you do that? And I was thinking about um, the story of the Holocaust and how it's, it's really a blight on Christians because Christians basically stood by because they were worried that what if, ah, I, I can't do everything, so I won't do anything. But two young people uh, did do something. Hans and Sophie Schall, maybe some of you have heard of them. They started the White Rose Movement. And... Um, they began standing up to the Nazis and to Hitler, and they were um, ultimately killed for standing up uh, to Hitler. They, they created these pamphlets and put them all over the place, and um, they said this, um, that the shoals, it was worth the, worst, worth the risk taking. Raised Lutheran, they had deep convictions about the stand Christians should take against injustice. They quoted scripture along with the writings of prominent Christian thinkers in every leaflet. Somebody, after all, had to make a start, Sophie said. What we wrote and said is also believed by many others. They just don't dare express themselves as we did. Some of you are shut up because you're worried about what people will think. Hans agreed, it's high time that Christians made up their minds to do something. What are we going to show in the way of resistance when all this terror is over? We will, be standi- we will be left standing empty-handed. We will have no answers when we are asked, what did you do about it? Jesus we serve is a cage-rattling, establishment-stirring kind of a guy. And that should release us into the creativity that he has birthed in all of us. And some of you just have a little niggling of an idea, but you've shut it down. You've shut it down because you thought, well, I, who am I? And what will people think? I want to I release you today to confound the masses, to say, uh, God, with everything inside of me, I, I want to be obedient to you. I want to be a sent one. I want to do the things you've called me to do. And the final thing is this, and the band can return. Jesus's creativity didn't solve every problem. I thought, as I was writing this message, I thought it was kind of like a weird way to end. And by the way, your creativity is not going to solve every problem. Praise the Lord. I hope you have a great week. Um, but but I actually think that this is maybe the most important thing to look at in the scripture today. Um The scripture goes on after, um, I would encourage you to read it uh, this week, John chapter 9. Scripture goes on and it, it talks about how, okay, so Jesus heals the guy's eyes from birth. And the parents, the Pharisees come to the parents and say to them like, hey, who is this Jesus? And they basically go, I don't, we don't know anything. He's a big man, ask him. This seemed crazy to me. and some, I'd read this scripture a hundred times, but I'd never seen the insanity of it. Imagine uh, all the people in this room. Imagine you have a child that's from birth blind. They're begging all their life. E- listen, in, in Hebrew culture, the most important thing is that your children were going to live out your legacy. Okay, so who you were was attached to who your children were. So these parents have this child... He's born blind from birth. He's not, in, in, in that culture, he's not going to amount to anything. He's going to sit and he's going to beg for his entire life. And then Jesus comes and heals their son. And they go, I don't know. You're going to have to ask him. Like, well, we're not sure. Because they were afraid they're going to get kicked out of the, ta- the synagogue. Now, I've, I'm the disciples. I'm going, that was kind of a dead miracle, I guess what and and the guy the actual guy who gets healed so funny the, the pharisees are asking him and they're like do you think this guy was a messiah he's like i don't know i guess he was a prophet or something what it takes till the end of the chapter he healed your eyes you couldn't see and now you can see and you're going i don't know what he is and like I, all i know is that i can see now now we've heard this preached like triumph triumphantly before uh, this you might have heard this scripture. Whether he's a sinner or not, I do not know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. Now, I've heard this preached in a hundred different ways. Like, but in some ways, it's like, like so exciting. Like, this would have been like, really? Jesus has done this great miracle, this great creative act of God. And the guy goes, well, I don't even know if he was like, I don't even know who he was. All I know is that I can see. What? Like, if I'm Jesus in that moment, I'm thinking, well, I guess that was a waste of saliva. <laughs> I got people mad at me now. All they're, they're so mad at me that I made this miracle on the Sabbath. I got the religious establishment thinking that I got demons. And even this guy, now, in the end, this guy does worship Jesus, but we see, we hear nothing of his parents. And we do hear that the Pharisees just get more and more mad as the thing goes on (laughs) we must remember that our theological moorings here that Jesus was both fully God but he was also fully man Hmm. some of you have given up on walking out the creative dreams that God's given you because you've kind of been in this position I don't think it'll make a big difference anyways I led a small group once, and like nobody came to Jesus, and people ended up fighting. And I, I, uh, I took a chance one time on what God gave to me, and it just seemed like like God, you promised me that people would come to know you, and then here we are. No, where is it all, God? Where's all the promises you spoke to me? <laughs> Some of you felt like creatively like you would take a chance in relationship and it ended up going south and you just think God where are you where are you you said this where are you any of you ever had a moment like that before you just feel like alone can I just show you that in this scripture that Jesus went about picking up the saliva putting it on the guys and people were still mad the great news is that Jesus teaches us what we're to do. He kept going. He just kept going. Because it might not be the thing that you step out into tomorrow that changes everything. But brick by brick, precept. Upon precept. You see, we're not just called to one act of creativity. We're called to step out of the boat every single day. And it is the slow work of God that becomes the strong work of God. Some of you need to write that on your mirror, that it is the slow work of God that becomes the strong work of God. And you might be in the middle of the slowness right now, where it seems like I don't the things, the sin I'm fighting against, I cannot fight anymore. But I want to call you to keep bending down, to keep putting the mud with your saliva, putting it on people's eyes, even when they don't understand, even when they don't see your God, even when they disown the things that you've actually done. Keep bending down because it is in our bending down that God is glorified. And I know more than anything, God hasn't called you to have a miracle-working life. He's called you to have a God-glorifying life. He's called you to glorify Him. This happened so that God may be glorified. I want to call you not to give up today. To be released into the creative, miracle-working power of God. Not because everyone's going to love you and think you're amazing, but so that God will be glorified. Can you just bow your heads and close your eyes with me this morning? Jesus, I thank you that you're in this place. God, I pray for the person that's feeling discouraged in the house this morning. For the person that feels far from you, that feels like, God, this son. they have had an encounter with you and they they don't even know how to describe it or to interact with it. Jesus, I pray that you would give us strength to work again in creativity with you. Let me just read this scripture to you. Jesus says, As long as it is day, we must do the works. We must do the works of him who sent me. You're called to do the works of the kingdom, no matter where you find yourself today. And God has a specific, a specific task for you to do. He's given you creative ideas and thoughts that nobody else has. This morning, I'm praying that God would just give you ears to hear what those things are. You would once again, like Jesus, bend down in the mud and be obedient to his call. Some of you are here this morning and... um, You would just say that you you don't yet have this relationship with Jesus. I I believe that today is the day of salvation. God's called you to a relationship with him today. It's not by coincidence. Maybe you've been uh, sort of skirting around religious kind of circles, but today you want to make a decision to make Jesus, uh, Jesus part of your life, the Lord of your life, in charge of your life. I want to just tell you that to do that is as simple as... His grace is that we would accept his grace, that we would confess that we are in need of him. And he says when we do that, when we come close to him, that he comes close to us. There's nothing difficult about it. It costs us everything, but it's nothing difficult about it. And so if that's you this morning, I want to encourage you to make that decision. That's a personal decision that you make with God. And this morning we're going to pray a prayer. And I would encourage you, if you haven't prayed that prayer before, maybe you haven't prayed that prayer a long time maybe you would say you're far from God this morning uh, Jesus is here to make you his can we just all across the house this morning can we stand up from the top of the balcony to the bottom of the floor just with your eyes still closed can we just shut ourselves in with God just for a moment would you just uh, repeat this prayer after me for the sake of the person sitting on your right and your left can we just say this together Heavenly Father Thank you for sending Jesus to die on a cross for me. I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong, God. I ask that you would forgive me, transform me, make me into a new person. Help me to walk with you all the days of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. If you made that decision this morning, we want to welcome you to the family of God. And we have material for you that is going to help and help strengthen you. Would you just also maybe consider going to Alpha to be discipled and learn about him, be able to walk with him. For the rest of us here, I, I, just, I just want you just again, uh, just to close your eyes. And I, I just believe that God's going to speak to many of us in this space this morning believe he's going to uh, some of you he's going to give ideas to, some of you he's going to resurrect dreams in some of you he's going to give you the courage to walk in those ideas so God we we are open to your spirit right now, we're open to the voice of your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would give us uh, the courage to be people walk in the things of you, that we would be a sent people and ascending people. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to us today. For more information about who we are, head over to myjourney.church or look for us on your favorite social media outlet.